The world is evolving at a faster pace than ever before, and as we begin the path to recovery after worldwide disruption, this podcast explores how design industries can adapt to changing expectations and create a better future for your business, your consumers, and the planet. I'm Kala Bazashi, CEO of WGSN, and your host this week. You're listening to Create Tomorrow, the WGSN podcast. This week, I'm excited to introduce a new member of the WGSN team as we embark on a new chapter for the company. Having made our name forecasting trends for fashion, beauty, interiors, food and drink, and consumer lifestyles, we now turn our attention to the exciting world of consumer tech. We've been partnering with big global brands in this space for some years now, but with clamouring for more detail and depth in this exciting world, this week we launch a platform singly dedicated to consumer technology, and I couldn't be more excited to introduce you to this new venture. I'm also joined by WGSN Consumer Tech Director, Lisa Yong, who talked to me about why this rapidly changing industry is so important no matter what design world you work in, new trends on the horizon, and how she and the team predict what will happen next. Hi, Lisa. It's delightful to be joined by you today as WGSN launches into the consumer tech space. Um, And over the next 20 minutes or so, I'm looking forward to talking to you a little bit about what we're going to be offering, but also picking your brains for some of the big consumer tech trends that you believe are going to be coming uh, to consumers' stores and their homes uh, in future months and years, but also to understand a little bit more about how the tech industry has evolved recently. Now, WGSN's been predicting trends in fashion, beauty, interiors, numerous other industries for over two decades now. But this is kind of our first foray into tech. We've got many clients in that space, but we're really going to be helping brands understand their consumer better and what the consumer of the future wants, and also how to create amazing, beautiful, useful products. So to start things off, talk to me a little bit about how the consumer tech industry has evolved in the past few years. I think consumer tech in itself is quite a complex industry uh, to begin with. Um, In the past few years, there's definitely a lot of very interesting and exciting new technologies that have emerged. Um, And uh, a lot of tech startups, especially here in the Silicon Valley where I am based, um, are really pushing a lot of really innovative thinking into, uh, let's see, robotics or artificial intelligence or um, the the whole the hot you know metaverse and all that uh, it encompasses. You know things like VR, AR, XR, MR, whatever the next R is. Um, so there's a lot of excitement and movement around uh, those fields. Um, that uh, that that's been really interesting in in terms of watching it how it evolves into uh, consumer facing products and experiences too. I think what's what fascinates me about this industry is by its very nature, it's innovative. You know, technology changes all of our lives across multiple different areas. It's not just the technology products. It's, you know, our homes. It's it's what we wear. It's how we go to work. But that technology is only going to be accepted and only utilised if consumers are ready for it. And we've got this very advanced thinking consumer now. So who's who's pulling whose strings? Who's, who's control? Is it the technologists or do you think it's the consumers that are driving this industry forward? Um, if you were to ask me the same question a few years ago, um, I, would, I would say that um, it's probably the industry-led you know, um, to determine and to define what kind of technology we need in our lives. 
But right now, I feel like it's an even playing field, especially with the really challenging 18 months that we just went through. Um, I feel like our traditional notion of consumers or uh, the segmentation that they belong to is a bit of a blur right now because there's so many crossover uh, behaviors and needs. Um, The pandemic definitely accelerated a lot of uh, massive uh, mainstream tech adoption that has never been seen before. So even for um, people who choose to wait um, before they use new technology, I think they are really more open now um, to adapt and to adopt quicker than before. So I think it's a little bit of both now. Uh, I think consumer is definitely demanding more and expecting more from technology. And that also puts, you know, brands and companies making products and experiences in a very interesting place, you know, to see how they can fulfill that need and meet somewhere in the center in terms of those expectations. Yeah, it's really interesting because if you think back, I was thinking back to kind of like 10, 15 years ago and people projecting to the future, oh, we'll all be in kind of flying cars and, you know, we'll already be on the moon. And this was kind of the stuff of science fiction and yet there are some things which have moved very, very quickly. So let's let's go away from the flying cars, but think about driverless cars. You know, those are not just being tested, they're being utilised uh, in places now. And there's certainly an expectation when I talk to my stepkids, are they even going to need to learn to drive? Because the speed of the adoption of this and the fact that regulation is now uh, coming in place, which will enable us to have these things uh, uh, on our roads, maybe not in the skies above us. Do you think that technology is speeding up Or do you think that actually there's a bit of a kind of pacing going on as we, uh, or as society, I I suppose, and that comes back to that point about regulation, as society catches up, which will enable us to utilise all these amazing technologies which are being developed? Well, technology is definitely speeding up at breakneck speed right now, uh, more so than ever in in previous generations. And I'm glad you brought up the flying cars because it's actually a reality now. It's not a fantasy. It's not sci-fi. There's tons of um, tech startups um, actually here in the Silicon Valley um, that is um, creating prototypes. There's lots of investors money going into um, what they call the urban air mobility. So it's really the air taxis. I mean, even Uber has their version now. So so that is uh, coming closer and closer to uh, realization. Um, and it's no longer just, um, you know, science fiction. Um, and coming back to your question about how tech has accelerated, I think it's also making it very challenging, you know, for uh, people who work in the tech industry, as well as people like myself, you know, uh, watching trends, forecasting trends, what's coming up. It's really to try to make sense of all these wonderful things that's happening, um, and how relevant it is at the end of the day for the consumer experience. So talk, talk to me a bit and for the you know, listeners into this podcast, how do you go about forecasting trends in this space? Well, my background has always been in uh, consumer research as well as trying to make sense of the bigger picture. Um, I'm, I'm trained as an industrial designer, so I come from a creative side of things too. So with, the, with these both hats on, I suppose the research as well as the design, um, 
and the natural curiosity. Uh, to add to that, I feel like you know it's all about um, just watching, monitoring the evolution of where it used to be and where it's going, and then make a, a, an educated um, a prediction, if you will, of where things might go. Um, even if, even as technology uh, accelerates at a really fast pace right now, fundamentally, consumer, the human being, um, is not changing that much. So it's really coming back to connecting to the emotional needs, to the emotional behaviors, to the desires of the person that really helps define the technology that we need in our lives in a very succinct manner, if that makes sense. It does. And I think it's really interesting because WGSN's methodology, which has been honed over so many years and it's embedded in everything we do from our forecasts, technology is at the heart of that. So our, our methodology is called STEPIC. It covers science, technology, environment, politics, industry, and crucially for us, creativity and culture. So te technology is right in there when we're forecasting across any industry. And obviously that will be so important to this consumer tech industry, but the creativity that's coming on, um, how science is evolving as well. Politics does play a huge part uh, in, in which of these consumer tech uh, innovations we will be able to use uh, in different countries around the world. So, you know, taking the expertise that you and the team have honed in the brands and companies that you've worked and, and bring that into that WGSN ecosphere, I think is what's going to make this product so special. Talk a little bit about the value proposition of what WGSN Tech will deliver. I'm so excited by the new reports that we're seeing and uh, the amazing amounts of research um, that have gone into this. But uh, let our viewers know a little bit more about that. So um, the value proposition, first and foremost, for consumer tech is really about innovating with purpose to create meaningful consumer first products and experiences. And what we mean by that is um, it's not just a gut feel, but also based on interviews with a lot of um, different companies and different individuals working in tech that um, design is a true differentiator right now, um, especially when you talk about technology and how to design products that um, uh, embrace that technology for the consumer. Um, this has become very, very clear to us that we have to uh, put design and consumer at the forefront of consumer tech and in whatever um, we put out there in terms of the reports that we'll be writing. Um, so there's a lot of different things that we have planned in categories whereby we feel it's intuitive enough uh, for the clients to come in and um, look at consumer tech at launch and be able to say, hey, you know, this makes sense. I want to know all about the home or I want to know about the work or what is important to me as a person and also how I move around in terms of the um, automotive and mobility aspect of technology. So these are the categories that we are launching with, the home tech, work tech, personal tech, auto tech, as well as um, uh, putting a lot of focus on CMF, as well as we have a category that's called uh, tech first, which is really a play on the words of, you know, being well versed 
in the tech universe, and that is our man- mantra because we, we we know tech and we understand tech. And in order to communicate that, we really need to make sense of that complexity in our reports, and and also to be inspired by technology in all the types of reports that uh, speak of that um, with the consumer in mind. I just want to touch on the CMF side of things. I've become obsessed with this idea of design as a differentiator. That's unsurprising when you run a company like WGSN. But the importance of colour, materials and finish, because there are multiple consumer tech products that do exactly the same thing. And yet there are some of those that have become household brands. There are products that millions, literally millions of us have in our homes or, dare I say, in our pockets or our hands. And design has been the differentiator there. So how important is CMF to this industry? Uh, CMF is very, very important because we have identified design as a key differentiator in the value proposition for what we do at Consumer Tech. So CMF, for those uh, who are who's unfamiliar with that term, simply means colors, materials, and finishes. CMF is really the visual and tactile language, if you will, to communicate the creative possibilities for the design development of products. And by that, I mean with the appropriate application of CMF, whether it's colors or the materials or the finish and manufacturing processes, it really elevates that whole um, overall product experience by bringing a sense of tactility um, and personalization to technology that surrounds us every day. Because technology is intangible in a lot of ways. So CMF feels like it's the bridge between what is tangible and intangible, the physical and the digital space in a lot of respect, um, aspect, sorry. Um, so we are really excited that we have a dedicated space for CMF where we can talk about upcoming trends to uh, intelligence forecast about how um, all these wonderful developments in the material world, in the color world, can be directly applied to uh, design and product development. And um, our head of CMF comes from the tech world, too. So she has a vast um, experience of over 20 years working with uh, tech companies to actually uh, develop actual products for launch in the marketplace and to a a great success, too. Um, And so we want to use that expertise and that experience to help also elevate um, our product vertical in the sense that we're not just talking and writing about CMF. We are actually making it um, applicable to a lot of these different types of projects that our clients are working on. I want to talk about sustainability because I think it's so important as trend forecasters that we are ensuring that the industries that we partner with are creating products that there is a genuine need for. We don't want products ending up in landfill. We have a responsibility to create a more sustainable future for consumers and for our planet. The technology industry is not great on this front. There are some very innovative brands, but in the same way as fashion, you've got some who are out ahead and doing amazing things. And then there's other brands that really have got big, big steps to take uh, in terms of their supply chain, circular economies, and so many topics that fall under this broad umbrella. How is the 
technology industry tackling this and how do you think we can best help them? Um, actually, tech companies are very well aware of the impact of their industry on the environment. Um, I think the big companies, the big brands like uh, Logitech or Microsoft and even Sonos, they are actually actively using sustainability as part of their business model in the terms of um, how they design products, how they source for products, the supply chain. It all has to work together. It's not just one component of the company or the other. I think in terms of sustainability um, for consumer tech, you also hear a lot of um, movement around discussion of the circular economy, circular materials, circular design, and how that is a big part of the conversation towards sustainability as well. Um, and it comes down to being responsible um, as a company, as well as a consumer, how you choose to use product and technology in your life at the end of the day. Um, I think that is when, you know, going back to your first question about is it led by technology or the consumer? I think it's in that respect, I, I feel like consumers are ready and educated enough to demand that companies uh, take care of this sustainability problem. Um, not just in terms of uh, public-facing messaging, but really, you know, do the work um, internally as well as how they actually develop the product. Yeah, I think the development is so important. I think consumers are ready for it. I think the bulk of the responsibility needs to go on brands. They need to make it easier for consumers to be more sustainable in their choices. Um, and I think there's enough innovation out there now that the, uh, you know, the well of excuses is, is running really dry at the moment. Um, and a little plug here, we've got a, a white paper on sustainability coming out this October, and I'm sure we'll be discussing that more <clears throat> in, a, um, in a subsequent podcast. So Lisa, let's get to some of the fun stuff. Talk to me okay. about some of your predictions for this industry. What are the exciting products that brands should be thinking about developing and that consumers can look forward to? I think a lot of exciting development is around um, seemingly older technology, but it has given a new lease of life because of um, all these emerging technologies that support it right now. So it's things like 3D printing, for example. Um, it seems to be uh, something that uh, is more commercial-based at the moment, but there are also a lot of development uh, moving 3D printing into the home, whether it's printing your food in the future or printing, you know, um, uh, uh, just products that is personalized and customized to your requirements and to your needs and nobody else. So it's really like a very unique, uh, hyper-personalization way of uh, consuming products now. Um, another space that uh, it's exciting could be um, things to do with uh, the health technology, um, the smart fitness for the home. Um, I think it's also very much driven by what has happened again in the past 18 months when we're all stuck at home. We can't go to the gym. We can walk and we can run outside, but it's like we need a little bit more motivation and excitement and new shiny things, for example. So I, I feel like 
that industry will continue to evolve um, in terms of um, not just home fitness equipment, but really incorporating a lot of these, you know, ideas from the metaverse, you know, rather than, you know, just um, um, a, a physical product, it's really encompassing all the other things like VR, AR, how that works in um, a workout uh, uh, program, for example, or how, you know, VR headsets and goggles could be incorporated into your um, fitness programs. Um, so I think a lot of the metaverse from the gaming world, the ideas from it can quickly, I think right now, uh, evolved into something that is suitable for so many different types of um, um, ways of looking at, you know, fitness or as we move towards autonomous driving, you have more of um, an attention span to look around you. So a lot of these ideas around VR, augmented reality, hol holograms is a big thing now too, can be brought into the car environment, for example. So yes, there's a lot of uh, convergence of different types of technology coming into play um, across industries, across different product experiences. Um, and I feel that has to do with a lot of these um, uh, foundational um, technologies like 5G and blockchain, for example, that supports this push. I remember back in my magazine journalism days, which is uh, quite some time ago, when QR codes came out and we thought this was going to revolutionise the industry. And this year... <laughs> In the pandemic, I have never used so many QR codes in my life. We finally found a really good use for what is a very basic technology now, but it's helped free up. It's freeing up travel now. It's enabling people to get out of their homes. Um, and it is interesting. Sometimes the timing's got to be absolutely right in the application. And everything you've said about the past 18 months, I think... Some of, some of what could have been seen as just innovative technology or technology that was there to make our lives more joyful or fun has now become essential to living in this kind of strange universe that we live in at the moment. I think, I think people want to come out of this, you know, very depressive state of history, right? Um, to be excited about too. I mean, you keep hearing about, oh... Um, could this be the new Roaring Twenties all over again once we come out of this pandemic? So I feel like technology is in a really good place to make life exciting again, um, but in totally unexpected or maybe expected for some people, totally different realities also come into play. It's not just the, the one that you know. Um, it's all these different things that you can imagine yourself to be living in a different reality, living in a different universe. Um, that's all, uh, you know, aided by technology to bring you there. So it's really about, you know, a new form of escapism um, that you can expect from technology and how that could be used in all these different areas in your life. Um, that is really exciting. It's really exciting. So to wrap things up, Lisa, can you tell me the last piece of consumer tech you bought? What was it? <laughs> Funny you should ask, because I, I actually don't buy a lot of technology myself. 
But the only one that I do come back to is a piece of um, de wearable device that I bought three years ago. And I kind of forgot about it, as we all do. You know, we buy things, we forgot to use it. But I, I brought it back. It's a, it's a, it's a wearable ring. It's a, it's a health tracker because I don't like wrist bands or watches um, or other kinds of jewelry. So this works for me in a, in a way where um, I just need to get out of the house and start walking everywhere around San Francisco. And this is a way to motivate me to keep walking and count my steps and see how I'm doing. And, and that was a very timely reminder and a timely use for something that I forgot all about. Um, especially in the past 18 months. There is another piece of technology that I didn't purchase myself, but my my husband did, is um, the Instapot. Um, lots of home cooking for the past few months. Um, and I think the Instapot, as well as, you know, the ex uh, coffee machines, is somewhat, I feel like it's a very geeky thing, you know, because there's so many levels of adjustment and experimentation that goes into it that I feel like, you know, uh, a lot of guys are into it. So so that's that's what I'm reaping the benefits from. Okay, so as, as one of the, the most forward thinkers in this space, it's the fitness tracker ring as opposed to watch or bangle and the Instapot. These are the things that everyone should have in their homes right now. <laughs> well, well, in certain homes, but I feel like, you know, I, I think technology is something that you don't think about anymore. I mean... And I think it's a good way to think about technology because it works and it's invisible, that you just rely on it and you trust it to work for you. So even if I were to say, oh, I, I, I only buy this or I buy that, but there's so much tech involved in everything that we own and would like to buy. Um, so I think it's an interesting way to look at technology where, you know, um, it's so invisible that you don't think about it anymore. It just fits into your life it's just there so uh listeners as we wrap up uh you can't see lisa at the moment but you'll be pleased to hear that she is the most technologically advanced with her setup for this podcast with the swankiest pair of headphones i have ever seen so uh, we're in very safe hands with our uh our director and forecaster of uh, of trends in this space lisa thank you so much it was great speaking to you today thank you carla thanks for having me Thank you so much to Lisa for joining me. I'd also like to thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please subscribe to the show, which is available on all major podcast platforms. If you really like what you heard, then please leave us a rating and review on iTunes, which really helps us get the word out there. If you're interested in what we've been talking about today, then please head over to WGSN.com to find out how you can get access to all of our insight across WGSN tech and our other platforms too. We're constantly publishing new analysis around how we can design a brighter, better future for all the industries we cover. So thanks again to Lisa. I'd also like to thank our podcast producers, Roland Bodenham and Bethan Ryder. And thank you again for listening. Until next time, we'll see you then.